0: I told that girl I can start right away, when she said, Listen, babe, I got something to say. I got no car, and it's breaking my heart, but I found a driver, and that's a to start. Tonight, on the Commune Podcast. So, Shouty, I was wondering, how have you been doing since the last Counterfeit Monkey cast?
1: I wasn't there.
0: How have you been <laughs> doing since the last Demon's Crest
1: cast? <laughs> uh, pretty good. I think I, I feel kind of left out of the counterfeit one, but I think I'll catch up.
2: Alright, glad to hear. Uh, yourself, how have you been doing? I've been doing pretty good to medium well.
0: <laughs> uh, I won't ask. Uh, Fox, how have you been doing? Pretty good. good. Alright, glad to hear. Uh, yourself, what games have you been playing lately?
2: Uh, I picked up Lords of Shadow 2 yesterday. I've Got through the first couple hours of it, uh, mostly sort of tutorial stuff, uh, introducing like the stealth and platforming and combat modes of play. It really seems like it's trying to be... Actually, it reminds me of Asura's Wrath, which is the other game I'm playing right now. Reminds you of it in what way in specific? It's got so many different Goofy mechanics, and it's constantly swapping them, and you just never know, going into the next segment of the game, what you're going to be playing.
0: Do you think that would count as a lot of like genre shifting? Or does it all still feel like the same genre?
2: Maybe genre shifting, but it's like... It's staying within the same storytelling genre, and seems like it's within its own realm.
0: Okay. There is a certain cohesion to it.
2: Yeah. The stealth parts suck, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no stealth part is going to be as good as the stealth in uh, Epic Mickey 2. Fox, what have you been playing lately? I've been playing the old Thief game. Oh, because uh, the new one came out, and you went to go back and play the old one?
3: I guess. It was just next in my black log. (laughs) How is it? Well, one of the first things I noticed about like really old games like that is they have key bindings for everything. And they're they're key bindings for if you don't have a mouse, so you can set keys to move the view screen using your keys. Uh, They they have separate keys to bind for toggling crouch and for holding crouch. So there's Uh,
0: a lot more customization?
3: It seems like they didn't know how to do customization as well, so they just gave you all the options without... Melting some of them down. I like see. nowadays, you just have it as an option to, to toggle crouch instead of having two different buttons to bind. But in terms of playing the actual game, it's pretty fun. The impression I got was
0: that, like, you got dumped into a huge labyrinth and you had to walk around stealing stuff without getting caught.
3: Yeah, that's about it.
0: So, do you spend a lot of time dying on a level, or is there not okay. a lot of, like, memorization that has to go on?
3: I try my best not to be dying, but, uh, <laughs> right now I'm just on the second level, but. Okay. The, the tutorial is, I mean, you can't die there, but uh, the first level is sneaking into someone's mansion and stealing an object. It's pretty easy to get caught, but I mean, it, it's its also pretty easy not to get caught. You just stay in the shadows and don't get seen. It's, uh, it does a good job of, of, of like, guiding you into the mechanics you're going to see later. Okay.
2: But do you get to turn into a rat like you do in Lords of Shadow 2?
3: <laughs> 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 I have yet to see. <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> yeah. We'll have to wait till the next podcast to find
3: out. <laughs> Making word shift Garrett into rat somehow. Garrett. Uh So, Shouty, what have you been playing?
1: Um, I've been playing uh, Hakun, which is uh, a oh. super Nintendo. You've heard of it?
0: I enjoy the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, the soundtrack's pretty good. Um, it's an old, uh, well, not nah, actually. It's it's a pretty um. End of the life of a Super Nintendo game where it's got it had a lot of versions. There was one for the saddle of you, and um, it's got some neat mechanics. Even though it's it's just a puzzle platformer, what you do is you um you have some blocks that you can take with you, know, you can pick up and put in place in different areas, and they'll float there. And you can take uh, these colored fluids, and different colored fluids uh, make the blocks do different things, like the red colored fluid will make it go up and down uh blue will make it go from side to side and the yellow will make it go diagonal and the, the blue and the yellow fluids make it go in the direction relative to where you put it in the block so yeah it's it gets really complicated later on and i'm at, i'm just at the point where it's like the feel, things feel very particular about where you want where things want to go, uh, be placed and how um I'm trying to envision what the developers wanted in each level.
0: It's uh, so it's not very open ended. You need to find the one specific variation.
1: Well, no, it it allows for some leeway, but like there are still some very particular things about the timing of when you want to pick up the block because you can only hold one block or uh, a colored fluid at one time. Okay. So yeah, it's it's very restrictive in how you want how you need to get around the level.
0: Kind of like a counterfeit monkey, maybe. Uh,
1: I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, maybe that's not an appropriate comparison. (laughs) (laughs) I regretted that the moment I said it.
1: Uh, You were just trying to be relative. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh,
0: Myself, I've been playing Space Harrier 2, and, uh... Oftentimes I find if a game gets old, a good way to make it feel new is to strip out a mechanic that I usually use to abuse it. So like in Super Mario Bros., if you just take away the run button, it feels like an entirely different game.
1: I don't think it's possible to beat it without the run button. Yeah,
0: but actually it isn't, because World 8-1. <laughs> yeah. But still, uh, it makes a good portion of the game feel new anyway. Uh,
1: you you could say it's new Super Mario Bros.,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> take out the right run button and re-release it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Um, and for Space Harrier 2, I found that not shooting really helped it out because a lot of times the best way to stay alive is to kill an enemy before it gets to shoot at you. So if you take away the player's ability to shoot... You suddenly have to be a lot more aware of what enemies are doing. It takes a lot more reflex, and it takes a lot more study to perform well. So it's a satisfying way of playing Space let
1: Lets you see like all the game's content, and, and not just uh, speeding through it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Lets you appreciate what the developers put into it.
0: So last time we all looked at individual puzzles in Counterfeit Monkey. This time we took a look at the car chapter in Counterfeit Monkey, where all of the puzzles were aimed at getting a car working. Here, we discuss how the car chapter puzzles related to one another, and how they related to the rest of the game. For this podcast about Counterfeit Monkey, I wanted to talk about a sequence of puzzles and how they related to one another. And uh, one sequence that I think we've all played through is the car sequence, where uh, you get to... I forget what the location is, but basically...
1: (laughs) Isn't it in the garden?
0: Well, that's where you get the car, but uh, you need to drive through a road where there's people the celebrating.
2: The is the place where you, is the place you can't cross. You okay. The car.
0: So you need a car to get through the roundabout. So at first you think, well, I'll just get a car, and then it turns out the car is ruined uh, when you get it. and then So you need a garage to fix it, and the mechanic there tells you that you need fuel and finally oil. So that's four items in total you need to collect for that one puzzle. So I would say it's a puzzle that is made up of four individual puzzles. Uh, And I was wondering, what solutions did people use for the car?
1: I think we all used...
3: Oh, go ahead. There's only only one solution
0: for it. That's right. I think Soup mentioned beforehand that the developer made sure you could only get
2: the car one way. From the shard.
1: Yeah. I never even heard of what a chard was before this game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a Swiss chard. It's a delicious, uh, savory vegetable.
1: <laughs> oh. Beets are savory. I thought they were sweet.
2: Chard is savory.
1: All right. I never had it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I uh, I
1: learned a lot of weird words
0: that I will never use again from this game. Anyway, uh so, it feels like sometimes there are multiple solutions in Counterfeit Monkey, but there are also plenty of times where there's only one solution, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Right. So, personally, what I found interesting about the Shard is that, beforehand, you could have removed two letters from something, like, to get a toe, you could have removed the S and the M from tomes, but you didn't need the toe, uh, so the toe would have been a solution to scaring the girl in the...
1: Uh, in the hostel.
0: Yes, in the hostel. Right. But instead, you could have picked up the army, just take away the Y. So this is Emily Short's way of like requiring the player to have a- at least one point uh, remove two letters from the same object, yeah. which is a development of the letter-removing mechanic. Right. So what did people use for the garage...
2: You can't use anything except the garbage, can you?
0: No, I'm pretty sure that is the only solution.
2: Because you can't pick up the garbage. You have to do it right there.
3: This was actually one of the points I got stuck on, because I was in confusion about the game's rules. Because when I got into the hostel, I thought to take out the S to make it a hotel, and it says the remover doesn't have the kind of power to make something that big. Or make changes that big. So I thought making the garbage in the garage would would require too much power for it. So it was something I had initially skipped over when I was going through this section.
1: What if it was a tiny garage that could fit the size of a um, a car? That's the size of of a, of a beat. A beat? Yeah, like the char. Yeah. Isn't isn't the char like isn't the car described as just yeah. um this beat shaped the um, mini miniature go kart sort of deal? That's true. But it's also
3: part of the problem when you left to your imagination when reading these things. Because I, I, I hadn't thought of uh, the garage as being that small. Yeah. Well, a man does fit inside it. Right, that's right.
1: What if it's a tiny man?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it, too. Like you're creating a, a person in there. That, and They initially stated you couldn't do that, either.
1: Yeah, you can't create life. Even though you can create an eel. Uh, I forget out of what exactly, though. But By I that? do recall getting an eel.
2: By that point in the game, I had just resorted to changing every word into every other word possible to see if there was anything I could do with it. Once I got past the hostel, that's pretty much the mode that I went into. Like, just remove
1: all letters. Wow, that's some dedication.
2: (laughs) Yourself
0: says resorting to, but that was like... I just did that the whole game, and I thought it was really fun to remove letters from things. It was constantly amusing. I
2: mean, uh, if you like typing the word remove, it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Aren't there certain shortcuts, though? Or is that not a shortcut for using the the, uh, the letter remover? I think you just specify which remover you want to use. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, okay. That's one thing that turned me off about the game, is that you can't just like click on the text itself. And right. what thing you want to remove from it. I think that it should be more of a point and click style of thing. Cause you're really just, cause you might end up typoing or, I don't know.
0: Certainly it's easy to imagine an interface where like you highlight, uh, like say you have the word fossil, you highlight over the word, over the letter S and it, like both S's glow to show that they would both be removed or something mm, like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I also wanted to mention that Fox's point spoke to, like, a general philosophy of the game that it itself does not take its rules too seriously and will ask you to break them, and late in the game actually, like, explicitly tells you that certain rules are being removed.
1: Is there a rule remover?
2: Oh, I almost want to finish it now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: almost. Just <Such> enthusiasm. <laughs> so, did people do car or garage first?
1: I did car first.
2: Car way first.
1: Car. It's because I found it. I mean, it was like more of a sequence of where I was, of the locations.
2: I didn't care about
1: the garbage. Yeah, who cares about garbage?
2: <laughs> I'm actually
0: kind of surprised by that because I just wanted to go forward to meet Slango. So I had to pass through the roundabout and I came across the garbage and instantly thought, Oh, garage.
1: Um, so I got it way before I got the car. You so you kidding? thought you would find a, go- a car inside the garage?
2: I mean, I got that on my pro run when I did it. Had to do it a second time after I killed the mechanic, uh, and lost save data.
3: <laughs> How'd you kill him?
2: Uh, if you try to turn the garage back into garbage, the bureau comes and arrests you. <laughs> because you're taking wildlife life or something. It just right. makes no
1: sense. Why can't you just be in stasis?
3: Yeah. Well, he was. Well, it, it is by. It is by a protest, isn't it? So they're going to be there. Yeah, oh. actually. But then,
1: are they going to notice you over the protesters?
3: But then they'd probably see you making a garage too. <laughs> I think, so. actually, if I
0: recall correctly, like the mechanic dodges and then like rats you out.
1: Ah. Oh yeah, you're right. He leaves right as you're about <laughs> to um, use the, the re- restoration gel. No,
2: uh, that's funny. <laughs>
1: It's like, oh, nice try. (laughs) I'm going to live my life now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess out with (laughs) your (laughs) gel.
0: But the car and the garage are definitely going to be the first two
3: ones you do, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to know to need oil or fuel until uh, the mechanic tells you. That's
3: right. Unless you're just transforming everything.
1: Yeah, unless you're really that inquisitive and good at the game.
0: I had oil before. See? Oh, where'd you get the uh, oil from, then? Fossil. Okay, so you went exploring up north before I did.
2: Yeah, and I chipped away at it until it was just a little itty bitty
1: oil.
0: (laughs) For the next two things, fuel and oil, are there multiple solutions for the fuel? I don't think so.
1: Wait, did we talk about multiple solutions for the oil?
0: Oh, um, I suppose we should. Yes.
1: Well, yeah, but I... um, you could take soil from the ground somewhere. I forget. I'm not sure if it's the garden or behind the gate. Okay. How do you
2: How do you take that?
1: You just get soil.
2: It doesn't say like when I tried to take sand. Can I
1: get you soil? <laughs> <laughs>
2: When I tried to pick sand, it said like, "Yeah, we don't have stuff to carry that in." <laughs> well, we <are> to <laughs> turn sand into. Oh, so the game was just doing whatever rules it wanted. Yeah, this, the
1: game was the, the game was just being limitative.
2: I honestly didn't notice that you could pick up soil.
3: Did anyone catch like exactly where the soil is? I can go find it, but it's. I think it's. I think it's fast the gate. I think it. I think it somehow mentions it explicitly. Okay, so.
1: I thought it was in the garden. Maybe I'm wrong. Go to soil.
3: Yes. I didn't get anything.
1: Oh.
0: That could be
3: because you already have it, right? It's possible.
2: That noun did not make sense in this context.
0: Oh, God. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely used the fossil for oil. But there are not multiple solutions for the fuel, right?
1: How do you get the fuel? I forget. Just the funnel? Yeah. Oh, right.
0: When you go past the gate, In the sand, there's a funnel.
3: But there
2: are multiple solutions to open the gate. Oh, that's true. Uh, you can use the yam to open it, or the... If you take the plans and turn them into a pan, they'll turn into a nap, which, uh, somehow is a whole, like, fuzz or something.
0: So the clue there is that, uh, in front of the gate, there's like a pedestal with a mirror.
1: I look up about how to do that.
0: And that's one of the game's uh, several stationary word transformation devices.
1: I don't know you could transform words on it.
2: Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, actually.
0: I just saw a pedestal and thought, well, I'll put something random here, and I didn't really expect it to reverse the word.
1: Oh, I guess you do put things on pedestals.
0: Uh, I do, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't i just leave it where it is and wait for someone to put something on it. <laughs> <coughs> it's not my pedestal.
0: So all of these solutions are definitely related in time, because they happen right after another. But they're also related in space,
1: right? Yeah, they're all in that upper yeah. area, northern part of yeah. the world.
2: In neighborhood.
0: And I, I don't know how common this is for text adventures, but that's definitely the case for all of the puzzle sequences, that they try to keep everything... In the same, uh, I guess, quadrant of the map.
1: If if the text adventure has a map.
2: Well, there's a map, isn't there? You just have to draw it.
1: (laughs) Who who has time for that?
2: I do.
0: Yeah, Fox did, actually.
1: (laughs) Oh. All right, good for you.
0: (laughs) I don't think these puzzles relate to one another in terms of solutions, though. I don't think you see any progression from car to garage to fuel to oil. There aren't any new skills you have to learn past removing two letters from Shard. Oh. Well, yeah. no, you, you do have to learn to use
2: the mirror, I guess.
1: Yeah, I didn't.
2: I think there were different puzzles, I guess. Different in what sense? Well, what you just said, that the one was the mirror, and the one was the stuff on the ground that you had to turn into stuff that you couldn't pick up. You had to do it at the one location... So that was unique, like turning something into a place. There was no other time in the game, at least as far as i played, that you have to turn something into a place. And that was kind of a unique concept. You needed to fix your car. So how do you fix your car when well, you take it to the garage? So in this game, you can make a garage instead of just finding an item.
0: Yeah, okay. That is noteworthy.
1: Yeah, there is definitely a progression with, with uh, the, the car item itself. Like the chart, it, it needs all these other things for it. You need to use your your um, in-game skills, and then you need to use your own common sense.
0: So, the car introduces the concept of removing two letters. The garage is the only time in the game where you make a location. The fuel... Oh, is it? I, it's the only one I can think of. Box. Oh, okay. Uh, are there, a, can you think of any other times where you need to make a location? Or like a building? No, I don't think so. The fuel forces you to interact with the mirror gate, and so it's more like a puzzle about figuring out the item.
3: Is the f- fuel the first time you remove, uh, you remove one letter and it removes all copies of that letter? Fuel funnel. Oh,
0: you also do that for the fossil. Oh, that's right. Well, still. Yeah, it could be either or. Yeah.
2: Oh. Yeah, you do that the. Apple, or will you cook that for the apple?
0: Oh, that's right. There you go. So, but again, with the apple, it's optional. Apple? Apple ale. Ale? Yeah, when you remove the P from apple.
2: The word balancer at the beginning? W- oh,
1: okay.
0: And the oil is the only one in that sequence with multiple solutions.
1: So- I think it's a commentary on how uh, we use power and energy in our society. <laughs> it's like, there are different ways that we can get power.
0: I kind of wanted to turn the fossil into fuel. Well,
2: yeah, that's a bit disappointing.
1: Yeah, that actually like kind of confused me. It's like, you think fossil fuel, but
2: yeah.
1: isn't oil fuel? It's like, it really confused me. Like, I guess it's a different kind of oil, not that's, fuel oil.
2: It's just a strange thing about playing this game where it's like, and It's obviously intentional. It's about your relationship with the words, and you're supposed to be paying attention to the words themselves, not, like, what they actually are, like, what the things are.
1: Oh, okay, so you're saying that I shouldn't have, I shouldn't paint the picture in my mind about these things.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, weird. That's why I kind of don't like it. It, it, you know, it's like, don't paint a picture in your mind, but also. It goes
1: against the grain of most text <laughs> adventures.
2: Right. But also, you have to paint a picture because you're going to be playing the friggin' game, so.
1: You have to think about what's going on anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: It's impossible to read words without imagining what they mean.
1: Yeah. I wonder if uh, Emily intended that.
2: Yeah, she's, uh, playing off the dual nature of language.
1: Hmm. Too bad we can't get an interview.
2: <laughs> that
0: is a neat, like...
1: Oh, can you set that up?
0: Oh yeah, definitely, I'm sure. Uh, Good. I, th- we, I think we looked at her LinkedIn one time and she was actually pretty busy.
2: Glad that we have that.
0: <laughs> so, would you call that like a running motif that there are times uh, where the solution of the puzzle defies your understanding of what the word means. That's like a recurring notion.
1: Even if the understanding is wrong?
2: I think I just never paid any attention to the what the words were, or what the things were. I just looked at the you know what word I needed. You now I have a spill and I need a pill.
0: Yeah, so a skill, I guess, is ignoring your typical tendency. It's a... Along those lines, it's interesting that uh, right now I have a dove in my backpack.
1: What's its name? Uh,
2: you know, I don't know. I tried to take the dove and it would not let me. Oh. You
1: can't just take doves.
2: Is it the one from the Monument Green? Yeah. Yeah. You can take that? You can take anything that's not nailed down. Ah.
0: I don't know if I had to do anything to, special to get it. It's been
1: too long.
2: Maybe I did something wrong. I, I might have used it.
0: Considered.
3: I never used it for anything.
1: Did the dove, like, fly away when you tried to get it? Or did it just say, this, this noun does not make sense in this context?
0: <laughs> so, in all, it seems like the car sequence has a good variety of puzzles, but there's no build-up?
1: Um, well, didn't we say there was a build-up, though, with the car itself? How do you mean? Like, we're building the car, and we're taking its components, or... Putting in its components, so, so it'll work.
0: Well, true, you're chipping away at the same object, but from one item to the next, there's no relation of skills needed.
1: Oh, so there's no mechanical buildup. So you <laughs> but again, you're building a star. <laughs> no, no, I mean, as a, I mean in terms of game mechanics. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that
1: was a poor choice of words.
0: <laughs> Do we think that's significant of the game as a whole, that things feel varied but not ordered?
2: I think uh, things do tend to take that sort of detour route, where it's like, now pause and go fiddle around in X playground.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, like, from one playground to the next, you might see a progression of ideas, but within the playground, not so much.
2: Right. You're always given the ideas at the beginning of each segment, and those are kind of what carry it through to the next portion.
0: See, so, yeah, along those lines, like, one developing thread would be the stationary word transformation devices. Like, that's a very easy way to... Yeah, a very easy example of this concept, but I'm sure there are, like, more abstract skills that develop from one playground to the next. Did anyone else have any thoughts on the car sequence?
2: I tried to use the line to turn the lemon of a car into... <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, the game wasn't having it. It
1: didn't share your sense of humor.
0: <laughs> it's nice when she does predict that, though.
2: Yeah, but she didn't. Uh, case, I was kind of disappointed. Why was there a line there if that wasn't going to be for that?
0: That's that's true, actually. Uh, Having gotten at least eighty points into the game, I still have not found a use for the line. I'm wondering if I missed it somewhere along the way.
1: I don't know. I think that there's there are things you can there are objects you can. Because I actually looked at a guide, and it was it looked like this um, tree diagram, and uh, there are certain words that you can use in different areas, and some, uh, some um, words, word transformations might come easier to different people, so you have those words placed around, those objects placed around for those words.
0: So uh, I'm wondering if we didn't talk to someone that was a white male, age 18 to 35, that if they <laughs> would have had much different solutions than we did based on the tree you just mentioned?
2: That's an interesting question, actually.
0: So first, a couple of corrections. There are technically multiple ways to get the car. You could go charred to card to car, or you could go from charred to char to car. It is worth noting that there are multiple routes to the same solution. Also, there are multiple ways to get fuel. You can either change the funnel into fuel by removing the end, Or you can turn the sage into gas, remove the E, then use the mirror on it. I think you can see why none of us picked up on that solution. It involves more steps, so it's harder to arrive at that conclusion. And also, uh, you're explicitly told that you need fuel, so that's the word you're going to look for. Uh, But gas is technically fuel. It's neat that that's in there. Anyway, I think the biggest point I got out of this podcast was regarding progression. Counterfeit Monkey provided variety by using a smattering of different puzzle sorts within the same chapter, and it gave that variety focus by aiming those puzzles towards a single goal, that is, getting the car working. But then, it explored that variety in depth by revisiting some of those puzzle sorts and developing them in subsequent chapters. In this way, one chapter does not develop a type of puzzle in and of itself. Rather, it takes part in the process of developing a number of puzzle varieties. Another important point here was about the card puzzle setup. It's the first time you're forced to take advantage of certain rules, like removing two letters from a word, but it's not the first time you're able to use those rules. For instance, the Tomes to Toes example. It's noteworthy that certain puzzle-solving mechanics are available to you before you need them. Anyway, before recording, we had a gander at a 1989 essay by Ron Gilbert called Why Adventure Games Suck and What We Can Do About It seemed appropriate given the genre of counterfeit monkey, and it left us with some interesting thoughts on the nature of engagement. Did anyone want to volunteer to read this quote, or shall I go ahead?
1: You can do it. Wait, no, isn't it Fox's quote? It is Fox's quote. I can read it. Or we should get Ron Gilbert to read it.
3: Yeah, Fox, go ahead. (laughs)
2: impression. (laughs) Funny impression.
3: (laughs) I don't even know what it sounds like. Ron Gilbert Gottfried. There is a state of mind called suspension of disbelief. When you're watching a movie or reading a good book, your mind falls into this state. It occurs when you are pulled so completely into the story that you no longer realize you are in a movie theater or sitting at your couch reading. When the story starts to drag or the plot begins to fall apart, the suspension of disbelief is lost. You start looking around the theater, noticing the people in front of you or the green exit sign. One way I judge the movies is by the number of times I realized I was in the theater. The same is true of story games, as well as almost other, all other kinds of games. As the story builds, we are pulled into the game and leave the real world behind. As designers, our job is to keep people in this state for as long as possible. Every time the player has to restore a save game or pound his head in the desk on the desk in frustration, the suspense of disbelief is gone. At this time, he is most likely to shut off the computer and go watch TV, at which point we all have lost.
0: So just for the sake of clarity, with video games, he's not talking about suspension of disbelief, right? Suspension of disbelief is when you accept the premise of something... Even though it's not logical. So, yeah. like, in Mario, I accept that there's going to be a green dinosaur that says Zip-Zoo.
1: <laughs> if that's what you think he says.
0: <laughs> and that's also not what he's talking about, right?
1: Yeah, he's not talking about the, the story itself.
2: I don't know. I mean, I guess I think- from Ron Gilbert's perspective, if you're looking at, like, uh, something like Monkey Island... That does seem like that parallels relatively well.
0: That engagement in an adventure game is contingent upon accepting its story premises? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't
1: think there's an issue with accepting the story premises as long as it's consistent with itself.
2: Well, yeah, that's what suspension of disbelief is all about. Yeah. But in Counterfeit Monkey...
0: Or Fox, you go ahead.
3: I was going to say, I think it can at least play into it. Uh, especially in terms of, like I was mentioning Sierra games earlier in a conversation, and I think it especially plays into when you're at some point where you're, you can no longer continue, but in your mind there's a solution to go on. So, uh, like, it's impossible for you to continue your suspension of disbelief knowing that in your mind there's a way to get out, but the game won't allow you to.
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good description of what it feels like when the interface restricts you beyond what, uh, like the interface should present to you more options than you can come up with on your own, so that you aren't thinking outside of what the game is. Otherwise, your suspension of disbelief gets broken. So if I
0: need to open a door and I have a crowbar, and the crowbar doesn't work, that would be like a, a break in the suspension of disbelief. Um yeah.
2: I don't think so.
0: Because I'm thinking of a solution that the game did not think of, and it would make sense in the context of the game world.
2: Oh, uh, you mean because a crowbar should open a door?
1: Yeah. Well, to break it down. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not to, like, use it as a key or anything. <laughs> like, as a, as an object of different of multiple uses, a crowbar can be used to force open a door.
3: <laughs> how about if, how about if your objective is to smash an egg, and you need an, an egg smasher to do it, but it doesn't allow you to smash it with your hands? Like it doesn't you recognize that nerd, that, that noun. <laughs> that is a better example.
2: Adventure games open up the ability of the player to interact with the world through language, you know, we use verbs and nouns, and that gives a greater scope than buttons. So it then becomes frustrating. It's almost like a uncanny valley type thing where it's like, because I can type some words and they work, I want to be able to type other words and they work.
1: So you want your solution to be the one.
2: Yeah. Pretty hard <laughs> to with a puzzle that's not easy, but that also only has one obvious solution.
1: Well, that's where guiding comes in, like, uh, the developer's use of signposts. Yeah. If the developer can use, can make use of signposts subtly, but still in a way that the player can recognize it in context with the, uh, in context and reference with the puzzle at hand, then it can be successful.
2: So, one example of that from Counterfeit Monkey, I thought, was where there was a, I went to the roundabout later in the game and there was a protest going on. And they said like, uh, some students are handcuffed to a tree or something like that. And there's a restoration jail rifle standing against a statue with, uh, or that a officer is left behind. And it's, literally a Chekhov's gun situation where, you know, the rifle is there because you have to take the rifle and shoot the rifle. But you don't have a lot of time to think about it. They put pressure on you to make you try to make intelligent decisions instead of just doing everything. Every time you act something comes up saying, like, what the Bureau officer did next. So, you've got that pressure on you, and you've got, like, a fixed number of elements, and it's just really satisfying to solve a puzzle like that.
1: Yeah, where you the game is pretty much letting you know what to do, but it's not telling you what to do.
2: Right, and it didn't tell you what to do. It didn't say, like, you can use Restoration Jail rifles to shoot trees and turn them into golf tees. (laughs) It just put the elements there and like left them for the player, and at that point, you develop that amount of skill. Yeah. So,
0: based on the deductions you had already made, it would then be reasonable to make the deductions necessary for the solution of that puzzle.
2: Right. But that's, like, how you keep the player engaged, or or that was a sequence in which I was particularly engaged with Counterfeit Monkey, because every action I did had a consequence.
1: So the game was very self-aware.
2: Yeah. It
0: had a greater sense of time than you usually have during puzzles.
1: I think in that scenario where you have pressure on you, it was kind of necessary for um, Emily to to design it so that or it's, a, it's a very reactive situation. That's simply where the time pressure came from.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed that, and I think that that is the that heightens the story as well.
1: Mm, yeah, it was also another place where you get a sense of what the world is like. Like you have these protesters, and you're like, "What's going on here? Why is there a protest? Why is there why is there this revolt? You How can people- it be related with me with my predicament?" You see people interacting without your actions. Yeah. Like
0: they have their own lives.
2: Your mm-hmm. NPCs.
1: That's sort of the icing on the cake, really, though. Thanks for
0: joining us, everyone. Uh, Fox, any final words?
3: I'm sorry for tricking everyone into playing a text adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Apology accepted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really enjoyed it, even if uh, it was not the most popular one. Shouty, any final words?
1: I feel like this is like a text adventure that really makes use of its medium. The fact though- that you
0: have to look at words.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh
0: yourself, any final words?
2: I have not enjoyed Catapult Monkey. I actually kind of hated it. But I will probably try to complete it. So it's got me hooked, I guess. I want to prove that I'm better than it.
0: (laughs) I had an acquaintance who was, like, looking at all of the new Thief details before the game came out, and with each announcement, he was groaning more and more. But also, he was determined to get on top of the leaderboards, like, the weekend it came out, just to prove that, like, how much the game sucked. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, there's, you know, there's clearly no skill involved there. (laughs)
0: I guess that's it for this time. Thanks. I'll leave you with this final thought. I found it interesting that many aspects of Counterfeit Monkey's design apply to video games in general, even though it's a much different genre than what we've played previously. For instance, regarding the progression of the car puzzle, I like to compare it to Super Mario Bros. and its water levels. The first water level you see is in World 2, but it's not like World 2 is all about exploring underwater gameplay. Instead, underwater gameplay is like a subplot that explored throughout the span of Super Mario Bros. all the way up to the last level. It's similar to how all of the puzzles for building the car were about different things, but each one of those things was developed in subsequent chapters. Anyway, if you have any comments or questions, send an email to vgcommune at gmail.com. Um, do do people mind spoilers?
1: No, I don't think so. At least I don't.
2: Um, well, mm, I kind of do.
1: Right. <laughs> okay, I, I won't spoil it for <laughs> folks then.
2: Story spoilers are fine. Okay, but yeah, oh
1: not- stories. Oh, so you, you'd rather have the story spoiled over the solutions?
2: Yeah, don't spoil.
0: Office. Did you know that Brock appears? Crazy.
2: Is he in? Geodude with him?
1: <laughs> can you turn him into a Geodude? Okay. By moving his B.
2: Is it any. Is it possible to not imagine this game as Pokemon when there's a guy named Brock in it?
3: Golem, have you. Knowing, knowing that you see him, that's kind of funny in, in hindsight. What? Brock the. Brock Trainer. Oh, they, What? Because my name is Golem? No, no, not. not I. I don't want to... Because you have to solve a puzzle to find him. Oh, it's a very predictable puzzle, though. Yeah, but it's still... with the context of Pokemon, it's so. Yeah.
1: Kind of funny. You find him in a gym? <laughs> yes.
2: He's oh. probably been letter-removed in the orthography bureau into a
0: rock. See? No, that's...
2: Yeah. So you can't
0: life. <laughs> There's no way to bluff it when you... Yeah,
2: well, that's pretty easy to call. Does slang get turned into slang at any point? (sighs) I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) Well, you can reify abstracts, so it's certainly possible, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, There is a neat trend towards the end of the game where, like, everything you wanted to do to start with, like... Remove B from Brock is what Emily Short asks you to do.
1: That kills him.
0: Uh, no, it's more like uh, putting someone in stasis.
1: That's So it's like the cloud. Uh, but but if there was a physical representation of it,
0: like a cryogenic chamber or uh, the wait. stuff Han Solo goes into.
1: Wait, no, wait. So he goes into a, a physical chamber. Making, like a warehouse of, of cryogenically uh, stored people.
0: Well, when hmm. you turn someone into an object, they just like stay as the object, but they still have their memories so that you can turn them back.
1: That's really weird. <laughs> um. Anyway, do they get
2: memories of the object too. Say what? Do they get the memories of the object too?
0: <laughs> they uh, they do actually.
1: That makes no sense. How how do they have the biology to retain these memories? Magic. Uh,
2: Science.
0: Oh, yeah, that's better. Magic is like science, except you know what science is.